But we begin this evening with The Silent Civil War. That's the two-part series currently airing on RTE1 television in which a group of historians and archivists seek out first-hand testimonies from family members of the people involved in the Irish Civil War between 1922 and 1923. Grandad never spoke about it. Even Mam said he'd never talk about either of the wars because it was too painful. They lost too many friends, family splits. Very hard, very difficult. Civil war will not be talked about in this household. I would interpret that as my granda had misgivings about what had gone on in the civil war. I'm joined now by historian Liz Gillis, one of the contributors and interviewers in the documentary. Liz, you're very welcome back to The History Show. How are you, Miles? In episode one, which aired on Wednesday last, Dr. Christor McCarthy, the director of the National Folklore Collection, gives us the mission statement. There's still a gap in the collection when it comes to Civil War memory. That gap can be filled with the inherited memories of the family and neighbours of people involved. Did you find that there were still a lot of memories to be mined out there, uh, a lot that were as yet unrecorded? Oh yeah, definitely. And the hope is that once the programme airs, more people realise that there is a need to get those stories recorded. In the whole collection at the moment, there's over 80 interviews, like we did over 80 interviews, and then there was more that were done previously. So there's 80 people that participated with their stories to tell of their relatives, be they participants or civilians. It's a whole range of stories. So yeah, I suppose people are a little bit cautious. So if you had to reassure people, you know, we do want these stories and they're so valuable to get them, to record them, because this literally is the last chance to hear the stories of people who are directly connected to those who took part or who lived at that time. Once, once they saw that there was an interest, they talked. Thankfully, they talked. And yeah, this is the tip of the iceberg, really. It's not the end of the project. It really is the beginning of the project. And my hope would be that more people will come forward because we have so much information of the more famous people. But there are so many stories of the ordinary men and women, as in combatants on both sides, but also the civilian experience. Because we would all have a relative who lived at that time, who did pass down a story. So, yeah, please come forward with your stories. One of the stories that you look at is that of Tommy O'Leary, who was an anti-treaty IRA man who was killed during the Civil War. Tell us what... New material did you find out about Tommy O'Leary? Well, the story of Tommy, I didn't know about the girl who was the last person to see Tommy apart from the people who killed him. And her son, Paddy O'Reilly, I was privileged to interview Paddy about the real sense of loss that she felt. And that would have been felt up and down this country at that time because although she herself was not involved, she would have been friends with these people. And the fact that it happened on a main thoroughfare, you know, that I've walked up and down many, many times. I've actually walked past the memorial many, many times, but you you don't see it. It's just there, part of the, the scenery. But then you have the other side, which is his nephew, 
and the way his nephew felt about his activities and you know his involvement in the movement in the civil war and and very honest about the type of activities that Tommy was involved in um, himself and Bobby Bonfield were very active and then that then connects to the documents that they had in the military archives when you see those those captured documents and you see what the anti-treaty IRA were planning to do against the National Army um, and that list of the license plates where they actually had identified touts or informers, people that were informing on them. And the word goes out, if you see these license plates, if you see these people, they're to be dealt with. This happens in the latter part of the Civil War and it just shows the escalation of it. But what I was fascinated by and what really hit you is the human cost of this, not just immediately to the, the people, the victims, but it is the ripple effect on the families down through the generations. And when Paddy O'Reilly just said that about his mom, like just this, this sense of loss of that generation and how they feel, how she felt about people getting involved in these types of movements because she knew from her own experience what people will lose if they go down that road of political violence. The assumption is that he was killed, that Tommy O'Leary was killed by an assassination squad from the infamous Oriel House. And when it comes to family memories from the other side of the conflict, you talked to Brian Hand, grandson of Liam Tobin, who is obviously very closely identified with Oriel House. Yeah, well, he'd been instrumental in setting up Oriel House. And Oriel House, it was such a place of horror that the anti-treaty IRA themselves tried to, to blow it up. There was an attack on Oriel House. But again, it was brilliant. This this project has been fantastic in opening up the narrative because for a long time there has been one narrative that has dominated and it is those of the anti-treaty IRA who were killed in custody or, you know, picked up off the street and their bodies are found dumped, you know, all over. But there has been a lot of silence in relation to the other side, as in the National Army side and the soldiers who were killed. Um, not in battle, you know, it's, it doesn't happen in battle. A lot of soldiers were killed in awful circumstances. So this has provided that opportunity to balance the narrative a little bit. But Brian was fantastic because he was very honest about his grandfather's role in setting up Oriel House and the reality of what Oriel House was. It was not a nice place to be. And I suppose when speaking to people like Brian Hand or Dave Phelan, who had relatives that were based in Oriel House or were working in Oriel House, what they're saying when they're talking about this stuff to us is that it's not their war, but they have to get those stories out. You know, we have this information, let's get out and we can have these discussions now from all sides and try to understand how it descended into such madness and chaos and bitterness. It's really hard to understand how people who are so close could actually do that type of thing to each other. But, you know, when you think of like Collins's death, that's a, a blanket moment that changes the nature. There's these moments that happen and then something awful happens in response to that. And I keep saying it, and I've said it again, and I'll keep saying it, we can't justify those actions because we know they're wrong. But 
I think we just have to understand how something like that can happen and try to get into that mindset and try to be brought back to that period and talking to the relatives, talking to those who had that connection to those who lived at that time helps us do that. Finally, in the second episode, we're going to hear some of the recordings of a man called Harlan Strauss. He's an American who happened to have been a PhD student in 1972, and he recorded dozens of interviews with prominent uh, living revolutionaries way back then, over 50 years ago. Yeah, and I had been made aware of Harlan through um, Jim Dolan, who Harlan actually interviewed Jim's dad. And this is in relation to the custom house. That's how I had heard about it. So what was great about Harlan is that although he made contact with, say, more famous or more well-known people like Sean Dowling and, you know, say, officers within the ranks of the IRA, he also talked to the rank and file members like Joseph Dolan and others. So he got a whole range of stories. And the beauty of Harlan doing that when he did was that he was an outsider. So it was a safe person for them to talk to because he had no connection to the events that they were talking about. Now, looking back at the Civil War time, do you think the war could have been avoided? Yes. I think it was disastrous. And uh, unnecessary. And sometimes, you know, it is hard for people to talk to their families about what they were involved in. But here was an outsider who just wanted to know. It's a safe set of ears, really. And he recorded them and kept them. Thank God he kept them. I don't know if Harlan, you know, thought that when he was recording those interviews, the legacy of those interviews and the impact of those interviews that they would have today and the treasure trove that they are, because they are the voices of the participants. And what we have now 50 years later is the children or relatives of some of those who are actually interviewed, which is amazing. It's, it's bringing the two generations together again. Liz, thanks very much for talking to us about the project to record the memoirs and uh, this important two-part series. You can catch up on the first episode of The Silent Civil War now on the RTE Player. The second episode will be on RTE One Television this Wednesday, the 3rd of May at 9.35pm. Liz Gillis, thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks a million, Miles.